banter. All right. What's the topic today, Sarah? So, Patty, what is your favorite weird sports mascot? Uh, oh, that's a good one. I mean, hailing from Philadelphia, I would say the Philly Fanatic, since I still don't know what the heck he is. He's an alien. Is that what he is? I don't know. He's just a green fuzzy dude. He's a green fuzzy thing with With a snoot that goes bleh. And he's got got the tongue that comes out the snoot. I know, it's awesome. I, he might be my favorite. Doesn't he have a girlfriend? Like, Philomena Fanatic or something? I don't know. I'm pretty sure there's a girl fanatic. But, also... Uh, hate to say this because I'm also a fan of the Phillies. Uh, but the Mets. Ugh. I know. But the Mets. This is a Mets, baseball. With exactly. A big giant baseball head. Exactly. Like I don't get it. It's like like how? Have you seen the Family Guy thing where like he's in the shower and like he showers off and like the white comes off his face and it's just like a giant. No. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's real weird. But I'd say fanatics. Although the Jacksonville minor league team is called the Jumbo Shrimp. Oh my gosh. Like, why? They used to be the Suns, which, which was, sounded it was, cool. It was fine. I like, mean, it sounded... No one's mad at it. It's better than the Montgomery Biscuits, Biscuits. or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. come on. Yeah. But, like, now they're the Jumbo Shrimp. And which it's is so worse. It's an angry-looking shrimp with all the little, like, feelers on the yes. face, like, grr. I would rather be a biscuit than a Jumbo Shrimp. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead biscuits and say that. Biscuits and shrimp. Oh, my poop favorite things. I, biscuits, one million percent more than shrimp. I don't like shrimp. Yeah, I like shrimp, but no, I just. Yeah. But I just think that like, why would you pick something that like you know people eat? As yeah, to be, like, it just means we're gonna have a snack on some jumbo shrimp. Well, I guess that's the same thing with the biscuits, but I don't. Have, I'd like to eat a biscuit. Yeah, but you know who ate biscuits this morning? Amy, who has joined yeah. us today. Yeah, we are back again to talk about narcissism. Thank they you for had, joining us, Amy. They had gravy on it this morning. Uh, <laughs> So good. I, Actually, I don't like gravy, but I like biscuits. Well, I the made the gravy. biscuits, and then my husband's like, do we have gravy? And I was like, I think we do. Ooh. So five minutes later, our biscuits were even better. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> do you make it yourself with the gravy? No, or? I had a packet of gluten-free um, southern um, biscuit What gravy? about the biscuits? Did you make the biscuits by scratch? Oh, no. By scratching? <laughs> by scratching your biscuits? No, I cheated and I used a can, which terrifies okay. me every time I open those. Like, literally, I jump every time it opens because there's no easy way to do it. And if I had to, I'd have someone else do it every time. But <laughs> I employ a professional biscuit o- can <laughs> opener. Biscuit yes, can yes. Opener. <laughs> Please do this when I'm not around, Garcon. So if y'all didn't listen to the last episode, please stop now and go listen to that one. Because yes. It's important. It's Context. Of it. Simply snashing. Snashing with an N. And what was like the... Like narcissism. I don't... I don't Whatever it is. It's so weird with snashing. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's part one and this is part two. Yeah. yeah. Please. Go listen to it, yo. For your own sanity, please go back. Because <laughs> the things will make so much more sense. It'll be a bit hard to follow if you don't listen to the first part. Yeah. I mean, you cause... could, but I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah, no. I mean, because we actually describe what narcissism is and narcissistic personality disorder. I mean, I'll go back just to reiterate for don't, those of us. You don't need no. to pander to the no. masses. Don't okay. pander to the people who don't follow instructions. Even exactly. the first four Harry Potter books had some backstory in it. But it what about until, five, six, and seven? But we're on part two, so we haven't reached that level <laughs> this yet. This is the five, six, like, and seven. Are we, even, are we even above J.K. Okay. Rowling? Here, no. I, will, I will summarize. Amy has a narcissistic father and a mother who... Like, you know... Enabled. Enabled. And therefore, that's why we were talking about this. Because yes. other people need to hear about 
what it is so that they can know that it's not their fault if they have uh know somebody who has narcissistic person I can't talk narcissistic personality disorder yeah and Sarah's waving a pom-pom into the microphone That's because she needs to be the center of attention because she is narcissistic <laughs> I thought we had established in the last episode that I was not narcissistic. Yeah, but these people might not know that because they haven't listened. You can okay, well, go back and listen to the first episode then. <laughs> Follow instructions. We talk about You're robots. not above everybody else, or are you too narcissistic to realize that you're not above anybody else? <laughs> anyway. Okay, let's actually dive in here. Yes. Okay. I will go ahead and just reiterate the definition just so that. Because it's been a week, and okay. that way y'all can remember. Thank you. Um, <laughs> narcissistic personality disorder is different than Feels regular like narcissism. Um, it's a disorder, and nar- people can have narcissistic traits. Doesn't mean that they are narcissist, but um, it's good to make that differentiation. So, it is a mental disorder in which people have an inflated sense of uh, their own self-importance, um, a deep need for admiration, and a lack of empathy for others, but behind this mask is ultra-confidence lies a fragile self-esteem that's vulnerable to the slightest criticism. Um, And from there stems a multitude of awful things. So, we're gonna dive into... Yeah, last week week we we talked about, are you a narcissist? So that was fun. Um, (laughs) We learned some things about ourselves. We learned that we are not narcissists. Um, And if you're even asking yourself if you are a narcissist, you're probably not. It's a good sign. There's hope for you. Yay! Um, uh, The main thing we were focusing on today was narcissistic parents. And we talked about um, the signs of a narcissistic parent, signs you were raised by one, signs that you had one. Um, now we're going to dive a little bit deeper into the long-lasting effects of narcissistic parenting. So this is, like, for, for me personally, I do not live with my parents anymore, but the effects of their parenting still affect me, clearly. Um <laughs> And this is something that I have to address in myself and I want to work on. Right. So, um, Which shows that you're narcissist because you recognize that you need to... <laughs> I need help. Exactly. And Moral like, of the story, nobody is narcissistic. I need Right. Help. Well, I mean, like, this is true for, like, most people that are, like, uh, survivors of any kind of mm-hmm. abuse, whether it's physical or emotional or um, what have you, is that you can't get through that stuff mm-hmm. on your own. Like, you need... To talk to somebody about things, which is why there's yeah. so many good people available, friends and yeah, colleagues, resources yeah. that you can talk to. Um, luckily, Amy has a very a lot of people that I do love her like us. Um, sadly, my sister-in-law's parents are also narcissists. I think both of them uh. might be. At least her father is. Um, and uh, so we can um, empathize with each other. And um, something to note, though, is that in the same way everybody's different, everyone um, reacts to narcissism differently, has a different effect on them. Um, also, different narcissistics, narcissists look different. So it might not be as easy, easy to tell at first. That's why knowing the deeper issues there. But um, this is um, different long-lasting effects. Not everyone has all these. Um but it's good to note. So the first one is chronic self-blame. Narcissists may or may not be openly abusive, but they're almost certainly emotionally tone deaf. Mm. 
too preoccupied with their own concerns to hear our pain. Um, emotionally sensitive children who long for love can't simply walk out the door and find a new family. They often nurture hope by sacrificing their self-esteem. Um, this, unfortunately, is a big thing. Um, I can say I probably suffered from this a little bit because I wanted to kind of make things work. I was the peacekeeper in the family and I couldn't do it and it was taking such a toll on me yeah. <laughs> trying to accomplish it. And then when I gave up that, um, another sibling tried to and it failed horribly and you have to realize you cannot fight other people's battles and otherwise you're going to end up way worse. <laughs> Um, number two, echoism. I had not heard of this one. Me neither. But this is very interesting. So, if you're particularly sensitive or empathetic by nature, you're more likely to respond to narcissistic parenting with a stance called echoism. Named after the nymph Echo, who was cursed to repeat back the last few words she heard. Just as narcissist, who fell in love with his reflection, Echo fell in love with narcissist. Oh. Narcissistic parents who explode without warning or collapse in tears any time a child dares to express a need force sensitive children to take up as little room as possible as if having any expectation at all is an act of selfishness. I can't say... That, I mean, I think I suffered from this a little bit. I think my mother probably um, exemplified this the most. Mm-hmm. Um but um, in the same way we talked earlier um, in the last episode about not being able to ask questions, um, this was kind of my way. I My emotional needs was to know why. I wasn't allowed to know why. Why do we do things this way? That's the most frustrating thing to a child because everything they ask is why, 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 yeah. why, why. This was just because a few I years ago. So. I mean, as an adult. I yes. still wasn't allowed to ask why. Yeah, that's ridiculous. How 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 did we come to this I point? I spend at least 50% of my time <laughs> saying why. <laughs> Asking people why. And if you're afraid <laughs> that that person's going to blow up on you, then you just learn not to ask why. Exactly. Um, Sorry about all the background noise, by the way. I'm, like, <laughs> shifting and... Sarah can't be in a comfortable position. I'm mm-hmm. never comfortable. Oh, that's sad. She's only comfortable when she's sleeping. Which I want to do forever. (laughs) Another another effect is insecure attachment. Um, A secure attachment um, is our degree of comfort with becoming close to and depending on others in healthy ways. The neglect, abuse, or emotional absence of a narcissistic parent can make us question how safe we are in other people's hands. Um, Roughly speaking, insecure attachment can take two forms. Avoidant attachment, in which we manage our fears by shutting people out. I'll never risk depending on someone else again. And anxious attachment, where we chase after love, pursuing sometimes angrily the connection we long for for our loved ones. I can say me, myself, and at least one of my siblings, um, if not more, um, suffer from the avoidant attachment where we feel like it's easier for us to um, not get close because we can't get hurt. Um, or we don't trust that other people are going to take care of our feelings the way that we would like them to. It makes um, getting um, close relationships difficult mm-hmm. um, and really opening up to somebody. Um, number four is need panic. 
Um, narcissist parents can make their children terrified of their needs who bury them by becoming compulsive caretakers or simply falling silent. Um, They may hum along for a while, seeming to need nothing from their partners or friends. Then a crisis hits and suddenly, in ways they find deeply unsettling, they call their friends incessantly or seek constant reassurance. The quickest way to eliminate a need, after all, is to get it met immediately. The people most afraid of their needs are apt to seem the most needy. Um, then there's fierce independence. Um, I feel like this is one of my siblings. Outgoing adventurous children may respond to narcissistic parenting by abandoning emotional intimacy altogether, believing that no one can be trusted or relied on. This is impossible to sustain naturally and can easily engender intermittent need panic. Alternately, alternatively, Children with more sensitive temperaments become compulsively selfless caretakers, as if the only way they can enjoy nutrients is vicariously by providing others with the warmth and caring they never enjoyed. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's funny because, like, half these things I never really, I guess, thought of as being effects of Mm -hmm. narcissism Mm -hmm. or narcissistic parents. It really depends on the person. Like, um... I'm not a terribly adventurous person, <laughs> but I would think of myself as a caretaker. Um, then there's the parentified child. Temporarily sensitive children who are gifted empaths um, can develop a laser-like focus on their parents and later their partner's needs. They organize their lives around the happiness of others, convinced they have to bolster their parents' esteem or prevent the next explosion by closely minding their every desire or whim. This is one of my siblings. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, they feel like they need to, they feel like they're making progress with my parents, but uh, they are not. Mm-hmm. And until they can accept that, you know, nothing's going to change. Um, then there's extreme narcissism. The more aggressive a child is by nature, the more likely they are to respond to narcissistic parenting by playing a game of, if you can't beat them, join them. Thanks. I'll just make sure I'm the loudest, prettiest, smartest person in the room. That way, no one can make me feel unimportant again. (laughs) If you're born with a stubborn, bombastic temperament and are exposed to the kind of neglectful or abusive parenting narcissists often provide, you are more likely to end up one yourself. Wow. Yeah. Um, Then this last one, which is really sad and doesn't need too much explanation. Post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That kind of sums it up. <laughs> Not just for um, war veterans. No. It happens to a lot of people. Yeah. Especially coming from abusive and traumatic yep. situations. Mm-hmm. Now, we've talked a lot about children and adult children. Um, me being one, but something that I get asked a lot when... Um, those people know about my story is what about your mom what about her because my father is a narcissist but what about your mom do you feel like she really feels this way do you feel like she was manipulated because anyone who knows my mom for a long time knows that she hasn't been this way forever Mm -hmm. and anyone who knows my dad knows that he has been but my mom, on the other hand, um, so that's been something I've struggled with, um, because it's one thing for, um, I've never 
felt very close to my father um, in traditional ways. My mother, I've wanted to feel close to, but I felt like she was always kind of distant too. Um, but it is, especially for me being five months pregnant, um, knowing that I would feel these urges to want to be around my mom or being reminded of my mom and not being able to go to her, knowing that it would be a bad idea. Um, but my husband actually found this article that helped make sense to me. And I, looking back, realized that my mom, while she did fall in love with the narcissist, she chose to continue to be there. And she could have fought. She could have looked at what was happening to her children and did something about it. And she didn't. She allowed it to happen and actually became a part of it and instigated and spread it on herself. So... While I would have had sympathy for my mom, I no longer have sympathy for her. Mm -hmm. Um, Because of her actions since, she's not proven that she really does care. So, no, I don't think my mom is a victim. She might have been in the beginning, but not anymore. She's now like an accomplice rather than... Right. She would fall under that... um, if you looked at the effects of, you know, narcissistic parenting, she would be the echoism where she fell in love with the narcissist and just likes to repeat what they say because it's easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also it's just easier for her to become a narcissist herself because her needs were never met. And it's easier for her to be heard. Um, there were words spoken to her by me. I mean, spoken to me by her where she's, said um I've always felt like I needed to be quiet but I'm not going to be quiet anymore and I need to be heard and you need to hear me because I was the one she was directing this at but it doesn't matter the you know it happened so this is um but my mom is also very empathetic person she does have a big heart she very good at talking to strangers she's very good at making people feel loved um not necessarily her own children all the time but for people who have met her i haven't met any one of my friends who've met her been around her for any time without knowing this stuff and not liked her i mean y'all liked my mom for yeah. a while yeah yeah i mean like when Never. i first met her she was very very loving like yeah. it was like oh you're friends with my daughter now you're gonna be you're like, my child now yeah like take that, my cell phone number text me if you need anything yeah um, like yeah. became very was very affectionate she and gave stuff. some of our friends keys to our houses yeah exactly so it was like any time yeah and you let people like you let friends live with you and stuff right mm-hmm. like yeah so it was like so i mean you can see i guess that's almost like you can see the how she probably really used to be, but when it's um, yeah. under the influence of your yeah. father. And gets... that's, that's when the choice happens. You have a right. choice of how you're going to let this affect you and what's important to you. And she made that choice. So I'm just going to read through these. Um, it's hard for me not to read every single thing, but I'll just kind of speed through it. Um, <laughs> 22 things that happen when an empath falls in love with a narcissist. Ooh. Um, the empath enters a relationship wanting deep, unconditional love. 
The empath is attracted to the narcissist and feels their need for affection is being met even if the narcissist isn't doing anything to develop the connection. The empath feels fulfilled and in love just from being around them. Um, number two, the empath begins to believe that they have a once-in-a-lifetime kind of connection with the narcissist, and the narcissist affirms it, what they have is special. This is what makes it seem impossible just to walk away. The narcissist can at times seem to want the relationship as much as the empath does. In reality, the narcissist wants nothing but constant validation, and someone who is always willing to give it is a perfect match. Over time, the empath will be made to feel incompetent. Even if not stated directly, the narcissist will imply that they have the power by saying that they don't want to hurt them, or by looking down on their interests, or maybe not letting them handle the day-to-day bills or anything else that's a symbol of control. This will leave the empath feeling reliant on the narcissist, believing that they need them, or at least that nobody else would want them. As their bond grows, the empath will find it unbearable to see the narcissist in any kind of pain. They will want nothing more than to talk to them, help them, cheer them up, do whatever it takes to make them feel better again. They subconsciously want to fix the narcissist, or at least change their lives. textbook Um, abuse hmm. textbook again but it is it's that's that's exactly how like what i've learned like is that they choose they're very deciding with who they Mm -hmm. are going to bring into their lives or whatever Mm because they do pick the most empathetic people like even any even if they're not narcissistic or Mm -hmm. actual narcissists but just abusers they will pick Mm -hmm. people that want to help them they're like oh but they're they're broken, and I can. I'm the only one. They said that I'm the only one who can fix it. I'm the only one. You can't they fix can, people. Yeah, I mean, you can maybe, but don't get into a relationship with you the can't fix object somebody, purpose of um, fixing someone. Yeah, unless they want to be fixed, and these people don't want to be and fixed. And you they have just to pretend fix yourself. That they, yeah, they want. They pretend like they mm-hmm. want to be fixed, and they're like, they're, I'm the only one that they can trust," and blah blah blah. And they said that they'll, or and then they, you get into the really crazy ones where they're like, "They said that they'd kill themselves if they weren't with me," you know, and bigger at them. <laughs> Call the police. They it's, will put them mm-hmm. that is that where they won't hurt them. That's not that's not healthy in any kind mm-hmm. of way. But anyway, sorry. Continue. No, no, it's absolutely true. Um, and I recognize that um, this can be a marriage. This can be a dating relationship. This could be a friendship. This could just be this a, pla- a friendship. <laughs> this could be a platonic friendship. You know, um, where someone feels this way. The relationship doesn't have to be a a. Um, Romantic. Romantic one. one. No, it doesn't. Um, so, I mean, but it doesn't matter what kind it is. It's still hard. Because mm. you feel responsible for them now. And um, you would feel responsible for what happened to them or what they did to themselves after. Mm-hmm. So, um, also, somewhere along the line, the empath begins to feel afraid to advocate for their true needs. It is more appealing to, for them to remain more likable, but secretly less happy. So they put on an air. Mm. The more love, care, devotion, affection, and work the empath puts into making the relationship work, the more powerful the narcissist becomes. At this point, it can be difficult to see that there are any real rela- issues in the relationship. That is, until the empath reaches their breaking point. Eventually, the empath, empath begins to adopt the traits of the narcissist. Ooh. Because their emotional needs are not being met and they've been confusing their partner's emotional needs with their own, they start to seem selfish. 
or at least predominantly concerned with their own well-being. They are essentially declaring, my feelings matter. And the narcissist does not like this. That's how my mom ended up treating me. Mm. Because she felt, I'm sure, that she couldn't voice her own opinion to her husband. She could finally could to me. Uh, yep. It's all about pro- projection, y'all. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> whether neither, neither party realizes at this point is that the narcissist's needs will never actually be met. They will move on to other partners, either hobbies, other big business ideas, and creative pursuits, travel across the world, and they'll still be miserable. The narcissist will make the empath feel crazy for responding the way they are. They will say they're being overdramatic and their concerns are unfounded. This kind of dismissal is the most obvious way they exert power and mind control over the empath. The empath begins to blame themselves. They start to wonder if they'll ever be worthy of love or what, or what is that, or what it is that they get, that they got them into such a horrible situation to begin with, how they get there. Um... Well, the empath does not realize that there is nothing wrong with them. There's something exceptionally right with them. They're just being manipulated and used and lied to. They have a feeling capacity that outshines many other people's. This isn't a bad thing. It's just something that must be protected. Empaths can be easily manipulated. It happens. It happens. Because you care. Maybe people take advantage of that. Yeah, Um, because like you said, because they care so much about what the other person thinks and like their feelings they put other people's feelings over their own mm-hmm. and so it is it takes a long time <laughs> yeah to realize that if ever the best relationships are the ones where we're each putting each other in front of ourselves so it's helpful instead of you know take 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 give 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 mm-hmm. you know if i'm you know for example i say no you know i care about what you what happens to you patty and then you care about what happens to me and with sarah then we're helping each other instead of like you're not giving me what i need i need to take what i can right and that's what happens in these kind of relationships these not healthy ones yeah even if the empath tries to communicate authentic um, authentically with the narcissist it will be to no avail They'll be deflective and use shoddy logic that will make excuses and find ways to pass the blame, if not convince the empath that it's at least partially also their fault. That's where I got into trouble. <laughs> I probably say I'm partially an empath too. Um, so at this point, the empath will have to do some serious evaluation. Now this is the part where it gets really optimistic, the person who wrote this. Because it ends kind of happily, I guess, in their way, saying that they have to leave. They end up leaving because they have no choice. Um, They end up realizing that they can't fix the person and they leave. That's not what happens all the time. You can't really come to that conclusion on your own without somebody else kind of showing Right. Because if you don't have support from somebody else, then you're never going to realize it. Mm -hmm. So, or you can do... One of two mm-hmm. things. You can realize it be like, oh, I do need to leave. Thank you for mm-hmm. kind of showing me the light. Or you are the other way where it's like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. And I'm just going to cling on to this mm-hmm. person, which like, is probably what happened. I assume, yeah. Yeah. Parents. So that's where my mom ended up becoming more like my father. Um, I don't know if she ever did any serious self-evaluation like this <laughs> thing says. But she... 
I guess it might have just been easier for her to become like it, get lost in it, because um, mm -hmm. that's what happens. Um, Lose yourself in the moment. Yeah. Are you trying to sing Eminem right now? Yes. Those are like not even the words. They were part of the words. Well, Lose Little Yourself is the, the name of the yeah, song. Yeah, there you go. In the moment. I used to could. I used to know like eighty percent of that rap. I was really proud. I know. I remember you were all in Eminem. It was adorable. Uh, <laughs> he was my guilty pleasure. Not all of his songs, but some of them. So here's some fun stuff. Yay. 11 things not to do with narcissists. <laughs> I love being told not what to yeah, not do. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is... How to take people down. <laughs> <laughs> this thing's not to do. Don't take them at face value. Well, that's true of all people. Don't take anybody at face value. Yeah. Well, I mean... It's sad. I mean... If you can trust them. You want to you wanna have faith in people, but these particular people... I don't trust people. you, Pat. <laughs> Pat, I'll take you at face value. <laughs> So sad. I would expect nothing less from you. Good. <laughs> Guard your hearts. <laughs> um, nah. Yeah. Um, this next one, don't overshare personal information. Oh, that's a um, big one. They'll use it against you. Yeah. They will. Um, even crap they make up. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, doesn't even have to be anything you said. It could just be... It doesn't even have to be real. It doesn't even have to be real. It can just be made up. And I have plenty of examples of that, mm -hmm. um, which I'll get into later. Um, also, don't feel the need to justify your thoughts, feelings, or actions. Um, these people want to make you second-guess yourself. Um, don't let them. Don't let them. They're very good at it. They really are. <laughs> and know, know where your worth and value is, and it's not on what they say. Yes. And that's the important thing. Wherever you find your worth, wherever you find your value, um, wherever you find your identity, that's where it is, and it's not in what any one person says about you. Be a Peggy Carter. <laughs> know your own value. No medals or congressional honors. <laughs> so Necessary. Um, don't minimize their dysfunctional behavior. That's something that... Um, some people close to my parents will try and make excuses for them. Um, and uh, those people are like those, you know, those little cartoon ostriches that stick their head in the ground yeah. and they wait for mm -hmm. them. That's what these people are. They're <laughs> like, well, if it doesn't affect me, then I don't need to worry. And you just kind of minimize it. Like, it's, eh, it's not that big a deal. I didn't really know about it or see it, so it's not really affecting me. Right, exactly. I have a question. Okay. Why do ostriches stick their head in the ground? I, don't I know think... they're scared. Do but like, they? What like, they... I thought it was just one of those cartoon thing. things. Oh, I thought. I don't know. Does it actually help them survive? Or, like, no, probably not. I mean, it's not. like a kid putting his hands over his face trying to hide from his parents. Like, it doesn't Maybe work. the ostriches are like, I don't want to have to deal with that narcissistic zebra over there. So I'm just going <laughs> to The zebras would um, be narcissists. Yeah. Are ostriches and zebras in the same place? Uh, the savannah? Sure. I thought ostriches were like I don't know Australian. I don't know geography, Sarah. No, it's emu. Oh, yeah. Okay, emus. Oh, yeah, I, ostriches. I, I thought were from Australia. Okay. I just feel like Australia is where all at the zoo. anyway. They're at the zoo. The sure, we'll say they're, they're at the zoo. zoo? And are they near each other? They're in the same the pen. At this imaginary but zoo. Not. At, no. Anyway, at the real zoo, they're all together. But the rhinos. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so Australia. Yeah. Okay. okay. No. Um, no. Africa. Africa. Right. Gosh. 
Anyway, see, see, kangaroos. See, Sarah won't take what I say at face value, but she'll <laughs> listen to Amy, apparently. Kangaroos and emus and koala bears. Yes. Australian. Cooper right. <laughs> Sitting in the old Hugh, gum tree. Gum tree. Hugh Jackman. <laughs> Mary, Mary King. <laughs> Hugh Jackman. <laughs> He's a wolverine. Michael <laughs> Robbie. Okay. Nicole So, Kim. moving on. <laughs> Good bring, night. bring it in. Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> Steve Irwin. Oh, he's oh, dead. Guys are tapping into my heart. <laughs> right. Okay, so what else should you do <laughs> with the narcissist? Yeah. yeah. Talk about Australia with them. Don't expect them to take responsibility. Um, they take credit and give blame. So do not feel like they are going to take that responsibility. Don't assume they share your value and worldview. Um, that's always disappointing when you're talking to one and you feel like you thought you believe the same things and then they say something and you're like, where the heck did you come up yeah. with that? Like, really? Well, I mean, that was like with your parents and religion. Yes, it was. Um, it, I'm not even quite sure. Like I said, I've grown up in church all my life, and I'm not quite sure where my parents came up with some of the stuff that they say, because if you <laughs> read the Bible, it's clearly not that. Um, yeah. But they use it as a, a weapon, and not, you know. <laughs> they do. They I do. witnessed it. They do. They use it as a way to bolster themselves up over someone else. And put somebody else down. Right, which is not what it's the Bible. It's purpose. No. Yeah. No. Um, don't try to beat them at their own game. And this is probably really hard to do because we think, well, the only way that you can reach out, you they can reach them is by do, communicating the same way they do. Fight and, fire with fire. Yeah, that doesn't work. And I'm very glad that I didn't take that, um, stance. I'm very I'll, proud of you, though. Because <laughs> you did take the high road. And I'll go into more of that in a little I bit. I did the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> well, I you can fight for me. It's okay. I don't mind. I will defend your it was, honor. It was different because, you know. Anyway, don't take their actions personally. Um, that that's, was... That's like impossible. Yeah, that's it was, hard. It's hard. It was hard to do that at first. If they um, attack, like, your core and the things yes. that are about you, how can yes. you... How can you do that? How can it's, you not take it personally? It is hard. Um... Don't expect empathy or fairness. Yeah. Um, here's the kicker. Don't expect them to change. That's very hard for most people um, to realize. To hope that they will change is a setup. Rather, accept who they are and focus on how to take care of yourself around them. Um, that was hard. And that's still hard for me. Um, wishing and hoping that they will improve but right because um, you want you want to hope because you want to because you do think about like certain like good things about them or good right. times or whatever and you're like well maybe there is a chance for to have that glimmer of right good again but mm -hmm. it's unless they are willing to do it which nine times out of ten they are not no. you can't and you can't live on mm -hmm. a pipe dream like that um you don't only hurt yourself right because you're not hurting them in any way Apparently not. <laughs> the last one here is don't underestimate the power of narcissism. And that's a really, really daunting last point there. Um, <laughs> because, <laughs> but it's true though. I mean, some of them will go to, well, you know, 
there are no means that they won't go to to try and hurt you. They may think that they're better than everybody else, but they are not afraid to stoop to no. really low levels to get no. revenge. Right. Um, so a little bit more about my personal story. I kind of delved into some examples, but just kind of... And I won't go into too, too many details just because, um, yeah. But like I said before in the last episode, I was, I got married just a month before I turned 27. I'll be 30 in this November, so it's been almost three years since I got married. October 4th, 10-4. Yeah! will be, you know, three years. Um... But like I also said in the first episode, I um, thought I had a good relationship with my parents, but I realized it started to deteriorate quickly when I met my husband, um, who is a very strong-willed person. And it's um, one of our favorite things about him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and his family is very different than mine, and he saw an injustice that I didn't see. Um, he saw me being treated a way that he didn't like, and while I didn't see it. Um, I can't say that didn't cause a lot of arguments between the two of us. He's also a lawyer, which yeah. it's kind of, you know, he was in deals school. with the injustice kind of part of it. He yeah. fought for you. Exactly. He did. Yeah. He did. With his, his big vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he saw something, he, he loved me and he's, he's, he saw me being treated poorly and me not really doing anything about it. Um, and I didn't see it. I didn't notice it. And that was hard for me because you never want to believe that your parents are treating you badly. Yeah. You don't. Um, so that was hard and that caused, you know, many misunderstanding and argument between the two of us. Um, but people grow and learn. Um, they had a lot of stipulations for me, for him, for all of my siblings. Um, and it was just a slow, you know, digression in all of our relationships with them. Um, essentially, the, the straw that broke the camel's back was their desire and need to control things about my life. Um, the big thing for them at the time was my wedding. They really wanted to control that completely. But at um, 26 years old, I um, had not ever had a talk with my parents saying that they were going to help financially with my wedding. I didn't expect them to. I didn't ask them to. I never made any um, comments to make them feel guilty about it. I had been saving up my own money since I moved out um, a year and a half earlier and was planning on doing it myself. With nobody's didn't offer no. either. Uh, no, no help. Um, which I didn't care. I didn't need them to. It wasn't a big deal to me. Right. But um, my husband's family, who is very generous, very generous, they um, didn't want me to have to take all the financial burden on myself. So they took a lot off me. My now mother-in-law had planned dozens of weddings and offered to help with things. So she would just ask me questions. What do you think about this? What do you, you know? And so while I was still planning my wedding, I didn't have any direction. I've been to lots of weddings, but planning one's different yeah, than okay. just showing up to one. Yeah. So she helped me get some guidance. Um, so 
I took it. Yeah, you know, I mean, she also. Why would you refuse help? <laughs> right, especially from someone who's about to be your family yeah. and is right. reaching out to you and wants to form this relationship with you. Right, and had a lot of experience doing so. So I took that. Well, and then um, you know, fast forward two, two years because we were engaged for two years. <laughs> um, then the wedding came. I thought it was beautiful. It, it was, was beautiful. Oh my gosh. No, it really, really I was. I loved my wedding. I was in awe that somebody <laughs> could take just like, you know, an empty hall like that and make it look it like. It was so pretty and it was perfect. Yeah. Like, well, we had two years to prepare. Yeah. Two yeah. years. And I won't go into a lot of details about that, but two years to prepare. A lot had help from them. Um, my parents did help with some things. Um,. There were some things that they wanted to do that I had to put my foot down because I didn't think it was appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of wanted things to be less about me and Ryan and more about my family, which didn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, it wasn't about my side of the family. It was about me and my husband. So, Creating a new family. Right. So, um, Which is hard for them because you were also taking his last name, so it wasn't... his last name. Yeah. And Did they expect like, you to not take his last name? I don't know. But it wasn't, it was I mean, just... it wasn't represented as much, your side, as yeah, far as the I mean, name goes. Yeah, I mean, it was always me and so-and-so getting married or whatever. It was very much bloodline. So I um, had my wedding. It was bliss, ignorance. Bliss of ignorance. <laughs> I had no idea. Thank goodness, though. I had no idea anything was wrong. You got to enjoy wrong. it. Yeah. I mean, I knew that things were a little rocky between me and my parents and things. I thought we had settled things out, you know, the week before when they tried to convince me not, you know. They say they weren't trying to, but it really, really felt like that. So I thought we, you know, nailed that all down, whatever. But I just didn't, you know, I was just more focused on other things clearly (laughs) so got married five days later I get this really awful note from them saying how much I disappointed them how awful it was so it just kind of went downhill from there um they felt the need to let everybody know how much I disappointed them um on many many levels they were very detailed and made up a lot of stuff and only told one side of certain things and then blew it out of proportion yeah, I got one of their letters. They said because I made yeah. I made Amy's wedding cake, and so I guess I was considered a vendor, and therefore, sure, they um I came <laughs> home from work one day and saw, and I had known that they had sent her a letter a few weeks before, and then I saw one addressed to me from them, and I went, oh no, <laughs> and I called Amy immediately, and it was exactly what she said. It was detailing how every how her and uh, her husband had wronged them in every single way, went into listed Bible <sighs> yeah. verses against them. You know, yeah. the, was it Corinthians where it says, love is patient, love is kind. And that set me over the edge. Yeah. I, get, I get really mad if somebody is trying to yeah. use the Bible or distort, like, you know, sacred texts in a way that benefits <laughs> them. Like, no. Yeah. And so um, I was, and I just was. She responded in kind. I did. I wrote them a. I wrote them a letter, and because <laughs> I can't, I couldn't. It was I, my favorite day. Was <laughs> not my favorite day, but like 
I came over to Patty's and she read me their letter and then she read me her rebuttal. <laughs> so while she was reading me the letter, I was angry and yelling. Yeah, and it was like an episode of Jerry Springer where she was like, <laughs> oh! And, it made and then me she so read good. me her rebuttal and I was like, yes! Yes, you give it to him, Patty! Go! Right. Go, Patty, go! Well, the letter that they sent was like 16 pages yeah. from that. It was, like, and then, it was long. And like, and I admire you, Amy, for not responding at all because she didn't and I, but because she didn't I was like that doesn't mean I can yeah. so <laughs> and um I really I don't normally you know get into involved in a lot of stuff but if somebody is if somebody is questioning Amy's honor and her when she's like the best person I've ever known mm. sorry Sarah she's the best person <laughs> I've ever agree. known I agree. That's fine. <laughs> and like calling her yeah. unchristian which is just that I can't know. Like she is like the very definition of one. Oh god. And I, I no, really, you are. Like honestly. Oh, thank you. Like yeah, I'm not putting you on a pedestal. I'm just no. Saying, no, not the pedestal. <laughs> no. no, I'm just saying. But you are, and that's how you're supposed to be when you are one. And I couldn't take it, and I was like, no, I refused, and I stayed up like that whole night, and I like typed on my laptop and I'm like, ah, and like so much, because I'm like, I need to, I need to respond and I, t- and I picked their letter apart and I was just so surprised at the fact that they thought that I would side with them when I, like, that I would go against Amy when I know her as a person, like, I know what she's been through and I knew them as well and I knew that all of these things were lies because I know her and like why and I was just I was just so that I knew I had heard things about them and I knew like stuff that had happened but seeing it in that much detail and how vindictive they are it's one of those solidifying moments where you know that they are too far gone to try to do anything yeah. and, and it was really sad <laughs> and that's why we chose not to respond because there was a, the first letter right after a week less than a week after my wedding and it was upsetting many levels upsetting but I felt like I knew my parents and I felt like maybe they just need to get this off their chest because it was bad but I was used to them doing that (laughs) so I felt like talked it over my husband and like maybe we'll just you know this is in October maybe we'll just um let things just be quiet for a while maybe that'll just blow over that's what I thought. Um, I didn't tell any of my family about it. I told a few select people. Um, but I really didn't run to anybody. I didn't tell any extended family. I didn't tell any most... I didn't tell my siblings either about it. Um, I just decided to ignore it. Which was not good because um, three weeks later I got an even bigger one in the mail. Um, which is the one that Patty was referencing. And that was the one which I'm not going to lie because that was from my mom. And she made it clear. Usually these words come from my father. Usually he's the one that's, you know, he sits down and types out a, a nasty letter and sends it to people. And he's been doing it my whole life. So I knew that. But I never read one from my mother. And. Halloween, which was one of my favorite holidays, <laughs> I come home from work um, to my mailbox with this letter that I knew was waiting for me because I had gotten calls from a few other family and friends that had received one already. And I come home, and I'm sitting in the car seat because I was 
on the phone with Patty and my brother and my grandma on the way home and Ryan, my, my husband is, is driving and, um, I get home, I'm in the passenger seat and I'm sitting there reading this out loud and my husband's just pacing around the car, listening to me read it out loud. And my heart is breaking into a thousand pieces as I read it because it's, my mother was attacking me on every level, every single level. And she wanted to make sure that I knew that it was her. She wanted me to know that it wasn't her, my father speaking, that she was writing this herself. And one line that really stood out in the very beginning was, where did I go wrong with you? And that one will always stay out to me. But um, that moment was one of the hardest days of my life. And I'll never forget the pain, although I can talk about it now and I can laugh about, you know, stupid things in it um, because I can point out the lies. But that pain is still real. Three years later, that pain is still there. And I cried so hard that night, I lost my voice. I could not speak. And Patty can attest to that because we had a, I was matron of honor for our friend the next day and I was supposed to be hosting and I couldn't talk. And I had to have Patty talk for me because I couldn't speak. Um, yeah, that was difficult because your my, mother was supposed to go to that too. My, my mother and she backed out, um, thankfully. Yeah. Because I couldn't. I had I had to be there. There was no way I wasn't going to be there for my friend um, who was getting married just um, a month after me. So, but I remember sitting, get got home, read, reading that letter my mother-in-law came over, and I've I've had mother figures in my life, but I just cried in her arms for hours because I couldn't understand why my mom would feel that way about me. And it's hard, and I don't want anyone to think that because I can laugh about some of these things that it's easy to do to break away even after that moment I still wanted to know why it didn't make me not love my mom it it I just didn't understand like what had I done how what could I have possibly done to make her feel that way it just came out of the field like I knew he'd had some problems but I didn't understand and I just cried into my new mother's arms for hours because she loved me. And it was hard. The next few months were hard too because I had obligations that I had to, to keep up with that involved my parents. And there was a lot of difficulty with siblings and family and it was around the holidays and trying to work through things and I had a few siblings um, that stood with me and I just you know I just like I'm gonna do what I have to obligation wise with my parents but apart from that I, I there's nothing like I'd had conversations with them about me and my husband and they still couldn't accept us there was something there. I didn't know that he was a narcissist. I didn't know that my father suffered this way. I didn't realize the, the, the real problems that they had. All I saw was, I'm their daughter and they don't love me. 
they must really hate me. And I didn't know why. And the thing that got me through it, apart from God, but God put these people in my life, my friends, who are my family, my new family, and just I had this swarm of people come around me to give me love and support. And I couldn't have done it without that. It took another year. I was very depressed for a whole year. Very depressed because I missed those people in my life that hurt me. My husband knew it was good for me to be away from them and I knew deep down it was too, but I still missed them. I still missed the idea of them. And that's the thing that hurts is that you want things to be better you missed what you thought you had. But it took some time for me to realize that I didn't have what I thought I had. It wasn't there. It was an illusion to me. And I had to cut this poison out of my life. And it took time. And But it was hard. And it was so hard. Um, my husband, he... He didn't understand what it was like to have parents like that because he has good loving parents. And his parents baffled me because I didn't understand what that was like. And we both had to grow together and understand where each other's coming from. But that support for my family, the ones I knew who were there for me, because not all of them were. Some of them chose to stand on the side because it didn't really affect them, so they decided to, quote, be neutral. But honestly, there's sometimes you can't be neutral. If you, you can't stand on the fence. You have to take a side. And unfortunately, I didn't ask anyone to take a side. I didn't call anyone and tell them my, I didn't tell them, I didn't call anyone and tell them my side. I didn't call everyone in bellyache. I got calls from people. I got texts from people. I got emails from people telling them, telling me that they were with me. They didn't care what was said. They didn't believe it. They knew that it was lies. And they loved me and supported me. My best friend, whom I, who's as much part as my family as my own blood siblings, because we've known each other for so long, sent me a message the week after the first letter and told me that she'd heard about some of those things and she wanted me to know that she was there for me. And that meant everything because I didn't want her to get involved. I didn't want her to feel like she had to take sides because that wasn't fair for me to demand people to take sides. Um, I felt like if they didn't have to be involved, they shouldn't have to be involved. But there were people who took a side because they knew it was right. I don't claim to have done everything right. Um, I knew there's probably some things I could have done, but then that's the part of my personality that makes me feel like I had something responsibility for how it happened. I didn't know that my father had this narcissistic personality disorder. I didn't realize that until like last year. Um, and even then it wasn't even until I started doing all this research that I realized the depth of it. But then I had just this overwhelming group of people that just surrounded me and loved me. 
and um, that meant everything. It was hard that whole year afterwards. Um, how to deal with it? I had to look at me. I had to look at my parents because I had people, you know, who didn't understand everything saying, well, have y'all made up yet? You know? And just saying, oh, we'll all turn out. You know, time heals everything. But honestly, it doesn't. Time doesn't heal everything. And I had to accept that. That I couldn't just wait for this to get better. And unfortunately, with these kind of people in your life, that's the case sometimes. You can't just wait for it to get better because they won't get better. And you have to look at yourself and take care of yourself. That's the important thing. Because right now, I have a baby on the way. And I couldn't be more excited, but my parents didn't think me and my husband could have children. And they haven't said anything to me about it. I don't think they care. If they did, I don't know if they would be, if I could take them seriously about it. But I have to accept that because I have other people in my life that love me. I have the family that God decided to give me that don't share my own blood. And those are the people that I love and that love me. And I have to think about my family going forward. How do I choose to let this affect me? Am I going to... What kind of a parent am I going to be for my child? You know? And that's the things I, I think about now. A lot. Um, I think about how my parents would have handled situations and how I know I'm going to be different. And I think that's the choice we all have. Is how do we choose to let these situations affect us? Are we going to let it affect us our whole lives? I mean, I could run back to them and think, I'm sorry, you have a right to be around your grandchild. But honestly, they don't. They don't have a right to my child. They don't have a right to me. Just because they gave birth to me doesn't mean that they own me. I'm a child of God first. And that's where I find my identity not in my earthly parents. And if you have great parents, I am so happy for you. Cherish that, but know that they're not perfect either. <laughs> Nobody is, and I don't think, I know I'm not going to be a perfect parent. But at the end of the day, that's what I wanted to express today is that it's hard. It's still hard. Um, I talk about it with people because I don't want them to think they're alone because they're not. And while my story may be, seem a bit extreme, and I left out a lot of details, <laughs> but it's, it's important for you to know that you can get away. You can escape. It, and it's not something for you to feel guilty about wanting to get away. I should not have felt, be made to feel guilty for getting married to my husband, who loves me and would do anything for me and would fight for me, like my parents tried to make me feel guilty about. They wanted me to feel like I had abandoned them. When I'm doing exactly what a child's supposed to do. Grow up, move on, make their own life. And 
that's what's important. You need to worry about your life and you aren't controlled or owned by anybody else. And whether it's a parent or a friend or a spouse, you have control. You can get out, but you need to not be alone. Don't let yourself be alone. Find someone to give you support. I could not have done this by myself. And I didn't. I had 27 years in it. And I couldn't have gotten out until I did because I needed... I'm not saying everyone has to get married, but my husband really did help me. <laughs> so, at the end of the day, that's, that's what I really wanted to come on here and share, was that you are stronger than you think. I'm stronger than I thought. And your family is the ones you choose. That was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. I was, I was close to tears, but I don't have emotions. <laughs> no, I was tearing up too, but no. We really appreciate you sharing. And we love story. you, and we love being your family. We love being your family, too. Yeah. I saw Guardians of the Galaxy 2 with Patty and cried at the end. I, I was know. like, Patty, that's my life. <laughs> friendship and then the second one is the power of friendship being your family oh my gosh it's so true right in the feels yeah Yeah. it was beautiful thank you everything was beautiful so um really hope that you felt something from amy's story and if you were are experiencing anything like this whether it is narcissism or any kind of unhealthy situation that you can seek the support that you need um we're always here. You want to reach out to us? Yeah, simply smashing podcast at gmail.com. You can always email us. We are here for you. Yeah. <laughs> we also have our Instagram, which is simply smashing podcast. Yeah, and our Twitter, which is simply smashing underscore. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, I know things. Yeah, good job. Yeah. So, yeah, we're here. We can direct you to. Resources. Yeah. Loveisrespect.org. Yeah. Look, Sarah's learning. I'm so proud. They have a chat box open 24 hours anonymous. You can ask them anything. You can also text them. I don't remember the number, but... It's it's so nice to not have to actually talk to someone in person or over the phone. Yeah, because I'm one of those people that I... It's I have get anxiety when I have to. I've people. needed to go so. to the dentist for a year, but I don't want to call and make an appointment, so I've just gone a year <laughs> without a dentist appointment. So, you know, ew. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I brushed my teeth, bro. Okay, okay. it's not <laughs> like I depend on the dentist to brush. Well, my that's teeth. good. But, <laughs> but yeah, so um, there are plenty of ways to get out of any kind of situation that you're in. There are always people that are willing to help, and. Like, again, again, I want to say thank you to Amy for yes. coming on our thank show so for much. two weeks in a row. You're welcome. Doing so much research. I know. Amy was more prepared for this than I've ever been for anything in my life. It's true. You should see the amount of papers that she has. There's a, there's a pile on the floor. Yeah. yeah. And if anyone needs the links to any of these we'll put it up. We'll, we'll put it up um, somewhere. Probably in our SoundCloud little blurb, maybe? Uh, yeah. That yeah. works. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. how... Thing. That's how technology works. Yeah. It's <laughs> a beautiful yes. thing. Yeah. yeah. So, all the robots take exactly. over. The <laughs> robots take over. Remember robots. Robots are going to rise up, okay? Be cautious. Yep. Be very cautious. Be cautious of Skynet and Facebook and Google. Yes. 
Anyway, but um, so we hope that you can come back at some point and talk about maybe talk about something happy and fun. Happy. Yeah. Amy's one of our fellow Harry Potter um, okay. obsessives. Yes, Potterheads. Oh yeah. And we um, are Harry Potter people. We do Potterific things. Potterific. <laughs> yeah. I like that. <laughs> so maybe we'll talk about that one again one day. But um, anyway, well, this is us at Simply Smashing signing off with Patty and Sarah and, and Amy. <laughs> Stay woke, fam. Bye. 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 I'm trying to find the off button. Bye. <laughs>